How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 29. Oh, my God. So sleek and quick and totally didn't stall, like, stall on the episode count this week. I knew it this week. It came in. <laughs> so proud. I feel like I had an aneurysm last week when the when episode... When we did 28. Yeah. When it was like episode... And 27 as well. We both kind of yeah. stumbled well, over that well, one. Well, almost, we're almost breaking into 30. Oh Which my is God, almost now 30s. I mean, they say the, the 30s, the new... 20s. No, 60s, new 30 or something like that. I don't know. This is one of those things that... <laughs> got to go around. Of, like, are you looking forward to your 30s, Jake? I know this is a weird way to get off like, started. Like, like my actual 30s? Or... Yeah, like your, like your 30s, 30s. Like, I'm a little you... far away from that, Zeke. I don't know. I've like, just been thinking about... Like, got like another eight years on me for that. <laughs> the, the, the 30s where all the fun's going to be. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I'm 23, all right? That's true. That's <laughs> I don't true. know what I'm doing six Having months from now. sad freak out when I'm 22 <laughs> in like two months. It's crazy. But, no, how are you, Jake? I'm good. Well, now that you brought up the 30s thing, I'm a little, I'm a little freaked out, to be honest. I'm like, are you sure we're not up to episode like 200 or something? What's going on? Yeah, we're going to have like existentialism. <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll talk about with one of the shows that I've been watching a lot recently. Oh, oh I like the sound uh, of that. <laughs> but yeah, no, have you caught any movies in the last couple of weeks? I think you'd be proud of me, Zeke. Okay. Because I think I've, I finally, I've pulled a you, basically. You've done a me. Back in the day, early when we were really hard ship on your 365 challenge, you mm-hmm. would literally watch seven plus films a week. I would. You crazy bastard. I know. It, uh, it's been a bit of a <laughs> letdown this last bit month. Bit of a decline. Oh, dude, I just don't know why I haven't been watching that many films. I guess it just, mm. with everything going on um, during the year, it just sort of just ground to a halt, kind okay. of, uh, with our own personal stuff going on and uh, just trying to balance everything. Um, mm. I definitely... Will be happy. I'm happy to to have watched as many as I have watched. I've watched absolutely. Well, where like, are you now, roughly? Do you know? 160. That's pretty good. Um, I'm about halfway towards you. I'm probably around 80 at this point. That's crazy. Which I can't give you an exact number because my computer's maybe dead. we can get 365 <laughs> between the two of us. Ooh, <laughs> and then you know, it's that's, like that's achievable. That's way more achievable because we'd be at 240 right but now. But would it be like we... a Venn diagram? Like, if we watch the same movies, do those count? That would be... A... Well, that would be disappointing because I feel like we've watched a lot of movies. We've probably watched a lot of the same. We've watched what? at least no, 20, no. at least 29 of them. Oh, well, um, yeah. But, yeah, no, um, I definitely think next year you and I should, like, actually really go, go for, for it. it. Like... Really give it a go. 2020 is the year of actually completing the challenge. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Challenge started in 2018, was attempted by me in 2019, and then and achieved then in 20. So we're going to we're going to both dive in and do it. No, yeah. I like the sound. It's like the little trilogy of attempts. Yes, if you will. No, but you'd be proud of me because I watched seven films in the last week. That's crazy. which is something you used to do commonly at the start yeah. of the show. Um, and that actually goes in hand. I just mentioned my computer died this past weekend, mm-hmm. so I haven't been able to do any uh, work or promotion or anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a me... I'm going to have some me time. So I watched a ton of movies over the last couple of, uh, couple of nights. And yeah, it was good. Well, I'll start off with uh, early last week, I watched The Hateful Eight for the first time ever. Okay. So. And um, this is something you really you really enjoyed. I did, and it's probably one of my favourite Tarantino films. Uh, I would put it up there. I really, really dug it. I like the... He has. I like his classic sort of bottle film formula. Mm. I think that's why I always speak very highly of that film and Reservoir Dogs, in particular, because it's essentially just a lot of characters in one place. Yeah, sort of as the evening ensues, and you forget that that film does go from zero to a hundred very quickly too. It really does because I spent a lot of the film being like, this is definitely one of the least Tarantino Tarantino films. In sense, it's way more grounded. It's a little. Less focused on the... I mean, there's a lot of style there in terms of... Obviously, the it's shot in 70mm mm-hmm. film, and they, they utilise that a lot, especially outside in the, the yeah. snow and everything. Like, it's just gorgeous, gorgeous cinematography. Um, but then you're right, it goes from zero to 100 really quickly. It's like, ah, there's the Tarantino mm-hmm. violence. Particularly in the last act. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so good. Very much like the Inglorious Bastards, sort of. The, the last act just goes, yeah. goes ham. Which, that's probably the next Tarantino film I'm going to catch soon because i still haven't seen it i only saw it for the first time this year okay um it's probably i mean if i was to rank them which i'm sure we might do that giving uh what next week hey, on the show next we'll week. Be talking about um yeah I, I thought it was fine i i like 
Christoph Waltz, um, but mm. it's not hard to like him. He's a very good actor. Yeah. Um, well, he's actually in another film I watched this week I'll get to soon. Okay. But, uh, um, yeah, a little tease there. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was... It just was an, a relatively, you know, entertaining film. I think I, it loses itself in its last twenty minutes. It, it's very uh, hateful eight, uh, inglorious. Oh, okay, I okay. think hateful eight does a really good last twenty. minutes. I was going to say, um, <laughs> I was like, what are you particularly about? with um, sort of the reveals of uh, like, well, Christoph Waltz's character in hateful eight too, mm. and like how that whole evening ensues. It's just a really good film. I really enjoy it. I was I was shocked at how how it gripped me for so much of it because it is like a two hour, 45 minute film. Yeah. And you're right. And the majority of it is like a one location essentially. So I was shocked. I was like, there, there was no point when I was like, oh, I wish this was a little shorter because we both tend to do that. We both tend mm-hmm. to wish films were way shorter than they usually are. Absolutely. Um, but this was an exception. I was like, wow, this is actually just fantastic across the board. And you're right, the cast is so good. Well, everything needs to be in there for it to work too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's what that film really succeeds at. Kurt um, Russell's brilliant as well. Yeah. Oh, wish he's he, so he'd good. stay around longer. With the moustache. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I guess we won't spoil it, but yeah. No. Nah, yeah, forgot about that. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. What else did you catch this week? So that was earlier in the week, and then this past week. So yesterday and today, I watched the other six films that I mentioned, and I got them all here because I kind of my traditional notes. But um, so I started with Wonder, which is a 2017 sort of sort of quirky comedy drama type mm. deal with like Owen Wilson plays the dad, and it's um, I'm pretty sure it's the same kid from Room with Brie Larson, okay. and he plays like the lead, and he kind of has this facial uh deformality where um it's like all scarred and stuff from like defects when he was born Mm -hmm. and it's it's that it's it reminded me of gifted in a lot of ways okay but like the other the other side of gifted where gifted was about this girl who has a lot of potential Mm -hmm. and this was more of like the the kid has an uphill battle because of his physical yeah like appearance and has to fight through that and i thought that was a it was a fine film it was very safe very harmless as you like to say but yeah i think um i haven't seen either of those films room or um, You've seen one. Gifted, haven't you? I've seen Gifted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but Room, I haven't seen. Oh, I got you, got you. Um, and Wonder, I haven't seen because I just like much like when I saw the trailer mm. for Gifted, it did feel it just gave that safe sort of oh we're going to we're kind of putting this film out there for maybe a bit of Oscar buzz. Uh, I yeah, think that where yeah. it was put out. Is prior, it was in Oscar season when they released the film, if yeah. I recall. And that makes sense. I don't think it was actually ended up being nominated for anything. I'm just checking now. Um, oh, well, there are accolades here. Oh, no, it got a it got a nomination for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. You know what? That kind of makes sense because of all the, the makeup, the prosthetics yeah. on his face and stuff, which actually look really good. Um, that actually makes a lot of sense. So I'm actually not too fussed yeah, about that. Um, but no, it was like a very safe film. Um but there were no missteps. There was nothing like offensive about it. Um, it. But at times, it definitely felt like okay, this kid's got it kind of not easy. But all of the, the you know, you have like the school bullies and all these little obstacles yeah. he has to face. Like they just kind of, they just kind of fall over and they're like ow, and then they leave the movie. And that's kind of how it's sort of very story. like one note. It doesn't really swing like. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it did this interesting thing where it starts off with the kid and then as we get introduced to other characters like the rest of his family or some of his friends at school mm. it, it comes up with like it, it cuts to black it has like the little keyword in there the character's name like I think his sister's name was Vi or something so like it shows she shuts the door cuts to black Vi and then it's like her point of view mm. and she starts narrating it for the next five minutes and we kind of get her perspective and sometimes it goes back to an earlier point in the story mm. like to fourth gr- wall break like she's addressing no camera. not necessarily it's just like a voiceover okay. playing over the footage but there is a bit of narrative time jumping. Um, so you can be like, oh, okay, I see we're here now and this is her. And then it does that with a few characters. That was like, that was fine. It was mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. In terms of some of the, the one dimensional stuff, there was like the, the main school bully. He just kind of, you know, spoilers. If you really care, you know, it's fine. It's okay. The movie, <laughs> um, he just kind of leaves school or his parents come in after he's gone to a fight and he's, they're like, Oh, this school sucks. And this kid's ugly, so he should not be here. And then they just kind of leave. And then they leave the film. That seems a bit weird. It was just weird stuff like that. I was like, I kind of wish they integra- in- integrated it a little bit better. Mm. But it just, Yeah, okay, fair enough. But uh, it was fine. It was harmless. Not a film that's really hooked me or like mm. one created intrigue. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend you see it. It's fine. Yeah. It's so, sort yeah. of, 
So you definitely preferred Gifted? Uh, a tiny bit, yeah. Okay. So I think Gifted still had a little bit of... Like, the writing in Gifted was a standout. So mm-hmm. I kind of I really appreciated that. Here, there was nothing really that stood out. So I just... Okay. It Fair exists. Um, Did you catch anything but, else? Yeah. Um, I caught a few. Do you want me to kind of... Do you want to go back and forth? Or do you want me to just kind of list everything? Let's, like let's, a little... Yeah, probably list everything. All, All right. right. We're going to do a little quick fire yes. round sort of thing. All right. Uh, so after that, this was last time. I had I watched three films in a row, and they were all very mother-themed. Because I watched this, which, you know, the mother's yeah. a main character. It's very patriarchal. And then I jumped to Tully, which is a 2018 oh, okay. film. Have you heard of Tully? I have heard of Tully. Okay. Um, that's the one with... Oh, I can't remember her name. Oh. Um, is it Shelley Theron? That's the one. There we go. You nailed it. Um, yeah, so she, she plays a mother of three. Mm. And the, from the, tra- the trailer that I saw, which really intrigued me in the film, is basically just like mother's worst nightmare. You know, she's got all these kids and they're rowdy and she mm. can't sleep and she's got this newborn. She keeps stepping on Legos, you know. She's having issues with, like, breastfeeding and just, like, her, her body's just, like, super out of shape and everything. Okay. Um, what the trailer doesn't tell you, it goes a little further into it, and I won't say too much because I really enjoy the film and I mm-hmm. recommend it, um, is that she ends up kind of having this night nanny hired. And what this night nanny does is come in like a ninja at night and look after the baby so that mm-hmm. the mum can sleep during this period of time. And then they start to kind of develop this bond and the film kind of goes from there. And there is a twist at the end that I actually had spoiled for me, okay. which was not fun. I mean, I probably wouldn't have liked the twist if I hadn't seen it coming, to be honest. Really? So maybe it was a good thing that I was aware of it because I was able to kind of look out and I didn't have to watch it a second time, but it did kind of botch my first viewing in because I had a spoiler. Interesting. Um, but like I said, I think it actually worked because I don't think I would have liked the twist. If I got to that point, I was like, oh, It's definitely shit, one of those okay. films I wanted to give it a look because it got a lot of buzz. I, I recommend it. It was out, pretty good. Pretty sure. So yeah. that was definitely, it's on the list. It kind of it's on the had, list. it sort of had, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and it's it sort of list. had like uh, private life vibes. Yeah, that, absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, I nice. think it, in terms of private life being like a raw film mm. about this you know person who wants to be a mother, it doesn't quite tap that. There's definitely no full frontal nudity shots, for example, but it does you know get close. Like there's some I love private life. Oh, it's so good, eh? It's just such a good film. But, um, I'm That's glad you little... mentioned it. Very comparable film. Okay, cool, cool. And what else did you? Uh, <laughs> We're going. Down I mean, track. I can I can say what I, I I've been watching predominantly. Oh, okay. um, much to I feel like I've talked a little bit about it last week on mm-hmm. the show. Um, but obviously I'm further into the BoJack Horseman my rabbit boy, hole. My boy. Um, <laughs> so this is now like the season two commentary update. I've, I've literally <laughs> like carved through season. a season. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe every week I'll be like, oh, what do they think of this season? So how heartbreaking summer. is this show? Um, it's pretty, uh, okay, so there's, season two's what, like, I spoiler it, I can spoil it, right, season two? Let's spoil season two, everyone, but, um, if you haven't seen BoJack, bloody watch the show, it's the best show on Netflix, just do it. Yeah, um, which we can talk about a certain trailer that got released for a new Netflix show, um, okay, um, that came out during the week, which you and I have had story oh, history with. Right, right, right. No, you're uh, right. You're we'll, right. I've we'll, seen this. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, um, really enjoyed uh, season two. A lot of guest stars, which I you did mm, hint at. I teased a um, bit, yeah. I really enjoyed the Daniel Radcliffe Elijah Wood joke. <laughs> um, even I, I, when I heard it, I was like, ah, it's funny. Um, okay, so... I've, I'm currently up. This is my quick story update. Okay. Uh, he's just this. spent a couple of months in New Mexico mm. with um, possibly one of the worst things, the, the, one of the most heart-wrenching... Holy crap, that's to do minutes. with our film of the week. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's pretty hectic. Whoa. That's a bit of inter... That's inter- insane. Parallel. Okay, that is the And that is like the... <laughs> it's so weird knowing that I watched that film after that episode too. Right. Um, oh, my God. But... Yeah, look, I like. Uh, it's basically what happens is is Bojack, who is this uh, storied, f- uh, self-proclaimed kind of real famous person from the nineties, like a nineties <laughs> sitcom. Yes, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, is in this constant state of repairing and being self-destructive, mm-hmm. um, and basically seeks refuge in, I guess, sort of like a high school. Sweetheart romance, even though sort of, because you, you you get the backstory in season one yeah. of like they were really close and she was dating Herb, and mm. then there was that what if scenario. 
Yeah. But, and yeah. then, of course, this then um, comes back to kind of bite him in the ass too because mm. after, you know, getting close with his family and then getting uh, close with his daughter mm. and then going to the prom oh, and stuff like that. Uh, okay, <laughs> so I do have a problem with this episode. Okay. Um, I think up until the last two minutes, it was fine. Um, okay. It was exactly what it should have been, but I don't think his character would have done that. But that might just be my opinion. Okay. Um, so what happens is is he takes the daughter well, to he prom. Ta- he takes Penny to prom yeah. because they, they kind of develop this relationship where Penny's always like, oh, this boy at school, this... Anyway, Bojack's like, I'll take you to prom. Yeah. I'll be the father figure in the situation. Yeah. And they have a wonderful night and it's amazing. They're kind of... They get into some shenanigans with some of the other friends. Yeah. And But he takes her home and Penny's like, hey, I, you, you're treating me like an adult. Mm. This is nice. And then she kind of goes for the kiss and Bojack's like, no, 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 we can't do this. And it's all embarrassing. She runs into the boat. Or, no, no, into her room. Into her room. room. And then he has an exchange with... Uh, with Charlotte. With Charlotte, who is the high school what-if sweetheart thing. And, mm. it, and then there's a, a lapse in judgment and a line is crossed. And yep. he's embarrassed, but they both are kind of willing to move past it, I guess, in well, that moment. Well, she says, I think you should leave tomorrow. Yeah. So but, they're kind of starting to call quits on that. Yeah. Um, and that, that sort of plays into his self-destructive nature. Um, she sees something that... Um, oh, the balloon the with the balloon, light. Which almost felt like had... Uh, had Penny not been in his room, that might have been a slightly different scenario, mm. perhaps, because it was almost like that romantic gesture sort of situation, which yeah. obviously what happens is, you know, Penny comes back into his room and then there's one of the most horrible confrontations <laughs> I think I've ever witnessed in any sort of media format. Oh, man, format. it's so good. Um, and there's a little trick as well that any time, because they only allow one F-bomb in each season, mm. and they usually preserve it for the person whose friendship is about to crack with Bojack. Really? So how Herb says, um, I think he says something like, oh, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Um, that's the end of their friendship. And then in season two, when Charlotte drops it. That's pretty cool. That's the end of their like friendship. So keep a lookout for it in future seasons. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Maybe that's the thing. It's the the, the cycle of uh, self-destructive nature. Mm. Um, but I am really enjoying the show. I enjoyed the uh, Scientology uh, improv <laughs> sort of story. Like, so good. I think just Todd's stuff's just fun. Like it's, just, but yeah. it's been some really good uh, guest stars. I know Ed Helms has been in it. For oh, he was the dad. Yeah, he's Charlotte's husband. <laughs> so that was that was pretty good. Um, it was it's just a really strong show. I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and I can tell you, this New Mexico stuff is really the center point for a lot of what happens in the future of the show. Really? Yeah. Really liked the uh, montage that came after it with him sitting on the boat oh, and like how the changing is that? and but I think it's uh, it's an interesting dive into um, sort of character relations and how uh, I, I think uh, th- this show is quite profound because it basically talks about what happens when when ego gets to mm. fever pitches and and basically sort of the the other side of the same coin with the lifestyle of being, you know, a Hollywood celebrity, celebrity, or really. celebrity almost. Yeah. And I mean, comedy always walks that line between reality and extremity. And the show balances that, I think really well. Um, what did you think of the Hank after dark episode? Hank after dark episode. Which, um, it's uh, the, the hippopotamus who's oh, got yeah. the, the show and then he's yeah, accused of, yeah, it's, it's, some really, really good episodes. The voice, uh, I commented last week, uh, voice actor works great, and it still is great, obviously. Um, it's probably better now, to be honest, because I feel like all of, uh, in season two, obviously, all of the characters are starting to find a bit more footing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it becomes more, like a lot of comedy shows, uh, you don't need to follow BoJack all the time. Mm. You can have complete sequences that have nothing to do with him. Like the whole Mr. Peanut Butter stuff. Oh, I... <laughs> it's a weird name for a character, man. And just like they all say it so casually, and I yeah. just can't get my head around it. But yeah, like there's like his stuff too. And it's, uh, I, I think it's just, it is a good show. And it does walk that sort of line of almost self loathing that comes with being 
in the creative arts industry. I mean, I told you a story before the show, um, which kind of played into that cliche, <laughs> but it's fair. Oh, we need Cinema Sideshow Plus yeah, for exactly. just our tangents, yeah. Exactly, man. But yeah, no, I've been really enjoying it. Um, and that's pretty much what I've I'm been glad. watching. I've been watching that and I've been doing a lot of reading. Yeah. Because uh, as Nerd. you know, we've been developing a couple of uh, new ideas yep. and I'm trying to get in the right headspace uh, for writing and developing yeah. that idea appropriately. Very and excited. The book I'm reading right now. Uh, Tell us, sir. Definitely. Uh, I'm reading uh, Robin Williams' uh, biography. Uh, what could it mean, Zeke? What could it mean? Um, I think uh, a couple of years ago, I may have done a short film that kind of reflected uh, some of that stuff, but oh. we'll find out. Uh, well, actually, it was next a year ago next month. That's insane. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, You're not 30 yet, Zeke. No. Um, it just feels like the last year and a half has been so long. I know. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a biography about his upbringing and sort of want to get inside what it was like to be him, mm. I guess. And Rob Williams has been an icon for a lot of people of the last 20, 30 years. Um, yeah, very, very uh, warm spot in my heart for yeah. how he made me feel. Um particularly whether that would be performing or in a film. Mm. And um, I still recount probably things like Dead Poet Society's like climactic final scene is one of my favourite scenes in a movie at all time. Wow, like, yeah. It's a really powerful scene. Um, his monologue in um, Good Will Hunting is monologue. just impeccable. Yeah. And um, there's countless examples. And yeah. I think... Uh, Reading about him and how he grew up is definitely and what sort of separates the the man and the myth behind mm. him and how he could be him. But also, much like we were talking about with the Bojack example, the darker side of yeah. being this larger-than-life figure, basically. Did he write this himself? Um, no, this was uh, it's a biography, so it, it does get a lot of extracts from the interviews okay. and stuff that he said. Yep. Um, and put some to paper. It's got like something like seven hundred references or something ridiculous. It's, it's our final year essay. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's definitely well founded in its uh, cool validation. It's got a lot of buzz. Um, I got given it for my twenty first birthday, which I thought was That's an, an interesting it, gift. <laughs> it was an interesting gift um, by my friend, and I started reading. He's like, "Oh, you only just started reading." I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's like a seven hundred page book. So. <laughs> it takes time, mate. Yeah, but." I, I thought it was a weird present, but it was, I still love it and appreciate it. But, well, there you go. That's what a good present um, is. Yeah. Uh, I've been really enjoying reading that and doing a lot of writing. And then, of course, we've I'm sure we'll shift into our career side of the show soon enough. But yeah. But let's yeah, go yeah. back to what you've been watching. Cool. Well, let's go. Yeah, let's go back to my little laundry list, yeah. if you will. So to complete the, the Mother trilogy, if you will. Yes. With Wanda, Tully, and Mother, explanation mark. Oh, so this is the Jennifer Lawrence film? Okay, so it's not that new one on Netflix, which is I Am Mother. No, 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 no. Okay. no. So this is uh, Mother with a lowercase m and cap, uh, explanation mark. Um, so this is, yeah, this is the Jennifer Lawrence film, mm-hmm. which has gotten a lot of divisive kind of response. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to Jesse about this film a lot, actually, because he's, he's seen it a while ago. I only just obviously watched it yesterday. Yep. Um, and I, re- I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think I got prepped by so many people reviewing it, being like, "Oh my god, it's like such a a diversion." Like the the kind of the the meaning behind what's actually happening in this film is so divisive or like a polarizing, which I didn't really find any of that. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but uh, there's a lot of subtext to this film, mm-hmm. and it's it's essentially Jennifer Lawrence uh, with her husband in this kind of cabin in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden these guests just kind of start almost inviting themselves into the house. So physically it's this uh, thing of Jennifer Lawrence and her personal space being invaded. Mm-hmm. But then from the subtext, and I won't spoil it, but there is kind of a, a reveal you kind of figure out towards the end of the film. And um, I thought it was really well done. But okay. I can kind of understand because there, there is some interesting imagery that's kind of messed up, which I actually really enjoyed. <laughs> I've, I've heard it's a pretty uh, uh, divisive film. Right. Because... Um, I, I think the big thing it got praised for were performances by uh, Jennifer Lawrence and yeah. I think it's Javier Bardem. Uh, I believe so. Um, 
Yep, you were correct. Okay. I have to um, check that. I've heard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence, and I don't think Jennifer, she not, doesn't do it for me. I don't think she's particularly that good right. at acting, personally. Oof. <laughs> um, I just haven't seen her in things that I've found her in entertaining. I think Silver Linings Playbook's kind of a piece of shit film. Wow. Um, I really like that film. Wow, okay. Well, maybe we'll have to do an episode oh, on it, and then we'll throw each other's arguments at it. That would be interesting. Um, I remember really liking that film, actually. Really? But, yeah. um, I don't. Uh, and I don't know. I've just you not like seen... Ballet? <laughs> What's that? You don't like ballet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's a, it's just kind of an obnoxious film. Um, okay, okay, but fair enough. Yeah, look, I, I haven't seen things that have made me too red hot with her. Um, I might lend you the Blu-ray for this because... Okay. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything specifically that she does in this film that would make you be like, oh, wow, okay, mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, I mean, I, I think she's great in it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think this would be a fa- fantastic film to do a review of, actually. Okay, interesting. Um, so we should hold on to it for a little while. Maybe. maybe okay, I'll lend cool. it to you. Javier Bardem's great, though. I oh, he's him. so good in this, too. Um, His voice. Yeah, he's just he's just a great actor. I mean, you go from anywhere, from uh, No Country for Old Men to mm. Skyfall, where he oh, plays, yeah. like, let's be honest, the best Bond villain of, like, the last 30 years. <laughs> um, but, is that is that, like, a hard task, though? To be the best. I haven't Bond seen a lot of Bond films, but um, I'm asking, is that like. Not when you've got. Well, it, it isn't when Javier Bardem's one of them. <laughs> Fair enough. <basically>. But yeah, <laughs> it takes look, a cake. Um, that's. Yeah, it's, it definitely was a, a good film. Uh, a good. Yeah, it sounds like a good film. Yeah. I'll, I'll lend it here. Yeah. We'll do, we'll do it sometime because I think it'll be interesting to discuss. Um, all right, I'm going to wrap it up really quickly. Yep. So I also watched today, I watched Call Me By Your Name. Uh, which got a lot of Oscar been, buzz. Been sitting on my uh, shelf, and I just I noticed to, it on your shelf. Just haven't got to watching it yet. It's uh, there's a peach scene apparently. Okay, the, the, like a scene with a peach or something that Jack was talking oh, about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not that, sure I can bring myself to watch. Oh, it's soon. not so. It's not that bad. Okay, Jack, chill out. Um, yeah, I was like, wait, oh right. Um, <laughs> this n- no missteps for this film. I actually mm-hmm. really appreciate a lot of what it does. Okay. Uh, the camera movement, the kind of the setting, because it takes place in Italy, 1983, I believe. Okay. Um, the the performances, of course, you know, it's just really, really good stuff. I really enjoy everything about it. But I didn't really care for the film. It just, from scene to scene, and it's like two hours, 20 minutes or something like that, I just wasn't really... Sort of... Flatlined, yeah. Yeah, it was exactly. It was like kind of a flatline thing. I kept pausing it and doing other stuff or going to the bathroom, whatever. Just I don't know what it was. As I wasn't as I wasn't as gripped or as intrigued as I feel like I should have been. I think it's um it comes back to also watching I think there's a mixture of watching as many films as you do in a week. So if you watch like seven films That's true, and, yeah. And you have films like Call Me By Your Name, which uh, I admit will probably be like visually a very great film when I watch it, but mm. will probably leave me with that same sort of like, yeah, it's a drama, right? Like it's just kind of plodding along. Yeah, well, that, that's the shame of it because you're right. It's just a drama at the end of the day, but like everything it does, like it goes a lot into just sexuality in general. And mm. I really appreciate it a lot because it was actually really like nicely done, I feel. But you're right. At the end of the day, it's just like it kind of just weaved in with everything else that I watched. And I was like, okay. Fair. But then that leads into... Yeah, this is the film I'm really keen for, <laughs> for to me to about. talk about. Because you, you often, when you watch a film, you don't talk, like you don't message <laughs> during watching a film. Right. You're very much a watching it and I'm kind of like, I don't see you message. You know, like... Yeah, for yeah, example, yeah. Jack. Every time I feel he like will he's live watched... message during movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and I don't really do it that much. I do it a bit every now and um, then. Yeah, but you, when something's when you're messaging me about a, a film <laughs> and like sending videos of it, the film has to be pretty uh, bad because if it's really good, you'll just be watching. The yeah, film. exactly, so... exactly. Um, so I finally watched Downsizing. Which is a film I've really wanted to watch for a while now. So confusing. This movie's bad. Like really bad. Like, like uh, I you said it. I was texting you half the film, being like, "What yeah. the hell is happening? This is so dumb." It's got a pretty big cast too. It's got a big cast. You know, Christoph Waltz, as we mentioned earlier, he's actually really great in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Damon. I don't know why he was cast, other than hey, he will earn us a few extra bucks mm-hmm. at the box office. 
Yeah, they might as well have gotten Owen Wilson there, because at least you would have got a bunch of wows you can add to your montage of wows. You know, because he basically is that character. Mm-hmm. You have, um, what's her name? Hon Chow, I believe, which I don't know what she was doing. And she actually got nominated for some, like, awards for, like, best, like, supporting actress. But she was just playing the most stereotypical kind of, like, Korean, you know, just, oh, God, I don't know what they did with her character. I couldn't take her seriously. So... Can you explain the premise of the film? Well, here's the thing, because I, like I said, I was really excited. The trailer, the first act, really sticks to the premise of, hey, as a society, we're taking too many resources. We're probably going to dive over population. If we all shrink using this new scientific thing we've discovered, we'll be able to basically use way less resources. Uh, and and they kind of sell you on it, like, oh, if you become, sh- if you shrink yourself. You know, uh, your money will be way have way more value. You basically live in, in tiny mansions, but of course they'll be real size to you after mm-hmm. you shrunk. Like they really sell it, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. And they got a lot of it's ideas. It's a cool premise. I it's a cool that... premise, and you're, you're right. It's like you can have this thing of okay, well, there's a there's the economic side to this. There's a the social side to this. There's a lot of interesting commentary you can have. There's even a point when Matt Damon and his wife are talking about it at a bar, and this guy turns around and he's like, oh, well, you know, if, if you turn into one of those little people, you know, should you have the right to vote? And he starts kind of listing all these, like, rights that they're not going to have anymore. Like, this stuff would have been like, okay, if they tap into this would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Instead, what they wanted to do by Act 2 was take a complete left turn and be like, hey, we're going to make this a wacky adventure story. We're like, oh, wow, look what happened to them over the course of X amount of time. And it became this stupid... You hear the expression losing the plot. This is the definition of losing the plot. Like, it it literally turned in after the Invisibles at one point. I was like, this is so dumb. Really? Like, so, none of this makes sense. So does he get, like, a divorce, does he, or something? Um, I'll spoil it, because I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Basically, him and his wife agree to do this together. He gets shrunk. He wakes up, calls her. She's backed out. So she's just like, no, nope, I, I chickened out. You're on your own. And there's no way to reverse it. So he's stuck with a divorce, having shrunk. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And then they throw him into this weird loophole where he's with his roommate at a party and then he meets this cleaner girl who's like got a prosthetic leg and it was a whole thing of she was like an immigrant who like got shrunk beyond her will and she tried to migrate to America and this whole thing, which would have been interesting mm-hmm. if they cared about it. And then now they're going on this after in the invisible, invisible types journey on this boat where they're going for like this salvation thing and now everyone's going to die and then they've got to go into a cave and then like, he's like, oh, I'm going to change my mind because I'm all of a sudden in love with this girl who's annoying as all fuck. And then the movie ends with them still arguing in a car. And it's like, what is happening? What is this movie? I, was, I, was, I love the passion you're giving right now. I'm, but I'm, like, I kind of support it for you a but little like, bit. But <laughs> honestly, probably, this it, fucking it, movie, when man. You have a, when you have uh, great films, like the one we're going to be talking about very shortly. Exactly. Compared to... Which are very f- focused films. <clears throat> yeah. Films um, that have themes and stick to it. Yeah. Uh, but this film, I do love me a dumpster fire film. Uh, <laughs> it's just so dumb. And this is from Alexandra Payne, the director of Nebraska. How does that happen? How the fuck does that happen? I'm sorry, guys. Like, what did he do? Uh, I'm sorry. What did you... You made Nebraska. How did this happen? How does it happen, right? I uh, guess it really goes to show that uh, the, the script shit, the script shit, the concept <laughs> shit, you know. That just sounds like a lot of things it's being like thrown at the vomit, wall. You know? You're yeah, right. Yeah. A lot of stuff being thrown vomit. at the roll. I think that's a really good way and of summing it up. No coherency whatsoever. Well, disgusting. Jack, that's that is not what we want. Do we want to tap on any uh, career stuff before? We um, move into I would like to very it? quickly. So since in the last week, mm-hmm. I have announced the release date for the disconnected DVD. You did. So finally, if you want to go watch the film, we've been talking. So much about and mm. nowhere watching it <laughs> for our audience. On August 20th, uh, you can buy... Well, you can now pre-order the DVD mm. on clickerproduction.com slash store slash disconnected dash DVD. I can't believe you have a store. How cool is that? I, I, <laughs> it's I was, been on the website for years and I've just... This is the first time you get to use it now. Basically, yeah. At least they cool. you know, charge anyone for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, um, that's, that's great. So yeah, free shipping anywhere in Australia, just 20 bucks and you can buy the DVD with chock full of bonus features and uh, over the next few weeks we'll be releasing little teasers so we're going to put out a little excerpt of the bloopers mm-hmm. uh, later this week I believe and then just stuff like that just to kind of get people interested so yeah if you want to watch Disconnected finally uh, you can pre-order the DVD right now on the website it'll be out in 15-16 days yeah so I think great. episode what 31 32 wow what is that how does that work uh, it would be 
episode 31 will be the day of or day before release. Ah, I think. There you go. Beautiful. Um, so there you go. That'll be pretty cool to have have that in stu- we'll probably bring it in studio and describe it. <laughs> we'll just be holding the cover yeah. like well, I'm still waiting on the rating. If it weren't for the rating and I could have paid more to get it like advanced done. Mm. Uh, but if it weren't for that, it would probably already be out now. I'm just saying. Just saying. Well, are you blaming the classification? Oh, board never, for it not never. Okay. Well, I went on their website today, and you can actually check the most recent like things that they've done ratings for. Mm-hmm. And they actually just did Happy New Year, Colin Bursted, which is what me and Jesse talked about the other week. They actually just uh, rated that, and then they had like the Aladdin Blu-ray and stuff. I was like, okay, they're probably busy. <laughs> but I do have a due date, so. Well, as long as you have a due date. Yeah, exactly. So, so I know the latest possible date for them to do it. So fair enough. Well, I'm happy to move into uh, the cool. film of the week if you are. I'm very happy to see. No worries. What so are we watching? We're going to be watching Blue Jay. Jim? Hi, Amanda. <laughs> Tell me about your husband. Really? Yeah. You're not married, huh? No, 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 no. Married to the work. Married to the drywall. Married to the work. Former high school sweethearts, Jim and Amanda, have been out of touch for more than 20 years. But they run into each other at a grocery store back in our fine hometown of Crestine, California. I like mm. that. We just uh, we started. We didn't even prepare. We just jumped straight in. And we just in jumped right in. I was like, it. oh, we're starting. Not to, not to pat yeah. us on the back or I anything know, like that. High oh. five right there. Sorry for that pop. Yeah, um, uh, headphone users, R.O.P. <laughs> okay, so this is another film from the Zeke recommendation catalogue. Um <laughs> Little indie darling. I was texting uh, someone today while watching the film, and I said, "I'm like, I'm like this, Mr. Zeke Morgan Hind. If he recommends a film to you, you should probably watch it." Thank you. Because you're Thank on a good you. track on the show, I think so uh, far. I think I've, I've I've been in the plus column, but um, <laughs> yeah, look, this film is one of those films that's sitting right there on uh, Netflix right now for anyone to watch. Mm. Um, and honestly, it, it's kind of a must kind of film. I think this is one of those films. It's that- just hiding, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it took me a while to find it, to be honest, on Netflix. It's it's like a little small bluebird. Ah, uh, um, bum Yeah, look, honestly, it's a... <laughs> uh, so, the film takes place, uh, as it says, um, in... Resting California. Yeah, uh, where both Jim and Amanda are from. Um, but the way this film starts from the start is what mm. I love. And I knew as soon as they watched the first scene... Right. Um, I was going to love this film because... Um, it starts with Jim, who is just standing in a grocery store looking at uh, food, and then he sees Amanda. But he does that thing where he goes like, "Shit!" Notices her, yeah. like notices her, and doesn't interact with her at all. Just pretty much tries to stonewall. Hopefully, uh, mm. if she doesn't notice him, it'll be like they they'll just go about their day. But she does notice him. And she does the same thing as well. They both do this awkward exchange and it's so perfect because it basically, without saying a word, Mm. you immediately have created intrigue. Uh, You've shown a character relationship between these two, like, and you basically set the premise for the rest of the film Uh, with it all like starts with that at a glance Mm. and then slowly unravels. But uh, what about you? What was, what's your, uh, Overall verdict. Right. So I watched this earlier today. So literally all the films I listed today, I watched this last. Okay. So I watched this like today and then film, seven. And then film number it. seven. Um, and it was probably, yeah, my favorite question mark of the whole lot in the sense that you're right. Very much in the vein of some of the other films you've recommended in the past. Mm-hmm. Very focused, very kind of straightforward concept or plot something that's very 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 relatable mm-hmm. and just kind of takes with it and you're right very you know it's an hour 20 it all takes place in one night mm-hmm. or yeah one day but it's a 24 hour period and it's just about these two characters and you're right i didn't even realize till during the credits i was like it's basically just these two people in the whole film yeah minus the the shopkeep yeah for like one scene that's it and, and then, then any yeah. of the other characters are sort of mentioned in messages or off screen yeah but they're not yeah no one's been cast to play those characters mm-hmm. you're right um, it just, it just worked for me because it's like from, you're right, from very, from scene uno, from the very beginning, you're, you're in it. 
Yeah. You're in it. And there's no sense of, oh, you know, this is, oh, it's slowing down or it's picking. Like, none of that. It just, it just feels so perfectly paced and everything's in the places that it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. And these two are really good. Yeah, well, um, Mark Duplass, who is Jim, mm. also wrote the film. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I've uh, got a bit of a blind spotting uh, sort of casting situation going yeah. on here with the, the writer being also in in the film. And um, you can clearly tell that this is a film, obviously, that this idea is very personal to mm-hmm. him. Um, maybe even directly correlates to his own experiences. Um, that's just speculatory, but... I'm sure uh, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure you can't write a film this deep and this specific me- specific yeah. without having a inkling of a very similar situation in your own life and these two steal the show i don't understand no, yeah. how this film hasn't been talked about more um it's per it's uh, the films i mean I, I made a joke last week but honestly i think three of my favorite films this year have been these kind of black and white films like nebraska and roma and stuff like that and this this sits in that category yeah. too, of just like it, it, it's not going, it's not rushing to get anywhere mm. fast. It's basic. You're basically, you always have an ins- a sense of impending doom to the confrontation between these two. Right. Um. You just don't know what, and you don't know when, but you know it's coming. Particularly when we move from day to night. Yeah, and that's a good point. And what we find out is they haven't seen each other for 20 years. Jim is unmarried, no kids, uh, was running a trade business with, I think, his uncle, um, but had a falling out. Yeah, yeah, it was with his uh, uncle. Whereas Amanda has a couple of kids and is married. Mm. And and that's what the first premise we get between the two. Like, their first real exchange is when they sit down at the Blue Jay. At the Jay. Blue Jay. And basically coffee. drop those anvil questions on each other, like what's what's been going on with you basically for the last twenty years, and and it feels like even in that first exchange, you feel like both characters are hiding stuff. Mm. Oh, definitely. And it's but they're they're and wanting to. He's not good to, at it. <laughs> no, he cries a lot. <laughs> he does. He does. But that's a really good thematic. Uh, device I think in this film is him yeah. crying and her inability to cry. Yeah, which they directly address later in yeah. the film. Yeah, um, but both are doing that thing that you do when you haven't seen someone you might have been romantically involved with uh, previously. You both are trying to put on your bravest face. Yeah, and but you don't really want to put on your bravest face. You want to be able to just eventually scream at them. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it was very, it's so, I I was hooked in this film Mm. and didn't struggle to watch it for a moment because I was slowly putting my hands over my face knowing that the the one big elephant in the room was going to be acknowledged as to what made these two that seem perfect for each other. Yeah, exactly. Fall apart and... Um, I think we'll 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 have a spoiler point. Yeah, yeah, we'll call it we'll call it soon. I think, but um, before we get into that, I think I agree because you're right. There's just this in, impending, and it's funny because like, in a way that when we talked about Booksmart last week, yeah, <clears throat> there was a very specific scene when like the two main characters have their own little individual goals, mm-hmm. and we talk about how for both of them, we just spent the whole time being like, when's the shoe gonna drop? When's the shoe gonna drop? And when I was watching this film. Obviously, it was a sense of that, of like, okay, when's when's the shit going to hit the fan, essentially? But for the most part, I was just kind of like they were literally in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say about perfectly paced, because there was never a moment when I was actually, as as much as I wanted to know how they broke up, or as much as I wanted to kind of see where does this all lead to, I didn't care about that nearly enough as what was happening second by second with these two and their interactions. And I think it's the the cause and effect. You can't have the Mm. weight of when that shoe drops really mean something without building up their relationship in the first place. Like from an, from an audience point of view, we're watching these two that seem to have this amazing natural chemistry Mm. with one another and, and are recounting the time that they spent together as for the most part, the best part of their life. Yeah. Um, so what itches at you is that just that human nature of asking the question, what happened that led to this stopping for these two people? 
And I think it eats away at you even subconsciously early on and really becomes more apparent as the film escalates. I think one of the most interesting things as well with this film, because you do kind of analyze between the two of them, you you know immediately that uh, even though these two characters are very much kind of stuck in the past, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of the whole thing with this film, in my yep. opinion, is these two characters are very dangerously living in the past right now. And that, mm-hmm. again, is very, very dangerous. But I am more than more so than um, uh, uh, Jim, more so than Jim. I don't remember the name. Mm-hmm. Where he, from the get go, you're like, okay, well, I can understand why he's sort of in the past because he's the one that's kind of the crier. Yeah, he's the one that uh, has seemingly not really done as much with his life. He hasn't gone on and married or had well, kids or anything like the, that. The town, exactly, exactly. Up. So you don't really need that much motivation to understand his point of view. Mm-hmm. But from Amanda, who is constantly kind of itching into this relationship and and con- choosing to continue to live in the past and pretending to the shopkeep that they got married, mm-hmm. you know, like those kind of decisions were way more interesting because I was like, what has she got? more so than uh, Jim has in order to keep this friendship alive. Yeah, and I, I think the the best part about these two characters is they are vastly relatable to audiences in the sense that you will be on one of those sides. You're mm. either going to be the one that tries to... Uh, who's a little bit more open with... Uh, like, if, you, if, we, if I was in this situation, I know I would be more like Amanda. I right, would be okay. trying to put on the bravest face. Everything's fine and dandy, but yep. it's only a matter of time until... Uh, I just snap, but like, whereas Jim definitely wears his heart in his sleeve a bit more, which, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, I think something you've got to acknowledge. Uh, it's what I like about the relationship, but you're right. Things like mm. her buying into the, the fantasy of it is yeah. more a sense as to, well, if your life's so perfect, why, why are we doing this? Why are we playing pretend? Which a lot of this film is a lot yeah. of playing make believe sort of stuff, which, I mean, I'm happy to shift into more of the spoiler stuff. And yeah, kind absolutely. Kind of play by play. But this film is, before we shift into spoilers, must watch. Yeah, absolutely. Just It's it's a short, sweet ride on Netflix. Go ahead. Yeah. You won't regret it. But um, I, I'm glad to see you enjoyed it. I feel like this film is, honestly, if I'd showed you this a year ago, mm. I think you would have really liked it, given some of the films that you've been writing on the side. Okay, yeah. Have yep. very... Uh, run in the same a, I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> the very specific one you're thinking of, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think this film would have been really cool to have as a sort of reference cue, maybe even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, to be fair, it's not too late. No, it's true. Technically speaking. Um, but I, I really enjoy um, just everything in this. Like, we joke that in the uh, synopsis that we read out at the start of the review, yep. it, it goes way longer than what we, we say. And it mentions things like uh, him picking out this like jelly bean the jelly flavor, beans. and then the whole thing with like his mother and trying to sell the house and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like the synopsis includes all of that, and we purposely skipped it out because it doesn't. Not that it doesn't matter. Well, you don't like, need to be. It's not what sells the film exactly. No, but it's great for character building and establishing the relationship between these two. But um, uh, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head with like her wanting. Her pretending um, mm. and buying into that. Um, little things that I like about this film: uh, cinematography is great. Uh, oh yeah, it looks it's always a pleasure to look at. Um, it's like the day stuff's really particularly amazing. Um, mm. But uh, a thing that is a little bit more subtle is the soundtrack. That there's okay. next to none. Actually, um, it feels very it's very okay. grounded and real. Very seamless. I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit subtle. There isn't a lot. Honestly, a lot of it is actually just... Uh, just raw, ambient. Yeah, location sound. Yeah. Um, and I think that's to help with the kind of the intimacy. The only, like, songs that do get played are diegetically yeah, played. Yeah, they play it on the, um, the tape recorder or whatever that case is, yeah. I mean, this is sort of mixing the highlight scene <laughs> with spoiler talk, but it's it's pretty hard not to look past some of those scenes at night as mm. some of the most, uh, you know, earlier in the show we were talking about Bojack and that impending doom sort of situation. <laughs> And I feel like this film... This film is literally that episode. <laughs> basically. Um, especially with them dancing. I think that was the the first real, oh like... Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, to, I think it's, like, their prom song. 
It sounds uh, like it was, yeah, the way they're talking about it. So uh, I'm guessing that's what it was. And you just know in that point we're going down this <laughs> rabbit hole. We're not coming back. It's uh, so interesting because they literally talk about like how long the sun is. Mm-hmm. And they're basically being like, and it goes back to, like I said, they literally living in the past in the sense mm-hmm. that they're not going to stop dancing to cut the song off because of how close their lips mm-hmm. are getting and that kind of thing. They're just going to complain about how long the song is instead mm-hmm. because in this nostalgic mindset they're in right now, they have to let the song play out. Yeah. And I thought that was Ooh, fascinating. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoy it. I think like them sitting on the back of, I think it's a ute. Yeah, uh, it's a trucky ute sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that moment when, and this is no oh, spoiler, man. is Amanda oh, reveals man. that she's been on antidepressants yep. and hasn't been able to cry for, I think, was it five or six years or five something? Five years, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, and basically, uh, she doesn't know why. St- she, what happens is they both are using each other as a way to, as a crutch, as a like a way of confronting. So we find out that Amanda's husband is actually quite old. Yeah. Um, he's like, they're both in their early 40s, I, I think. like No the, later than that, yeah. Um, and her actual husband now is like in, I think, his early 70s. So... I think 64. Uh, 64. I think he's 64, fair. and if this is 22 years after their sort of breakup, then I guess they'll be late 30s. Yeah. So, so he's big significant. Yeah, big age yeah. gap. And you wonder, okay, well, why is the age gap so big? And, of course, it leads into certain... Uh, patriarchal and perennial sort of stuff Mm. um, between their own characters that she needed to seek out a far more mature guy. Yeah. And you, you, uh, you at the audience get these breadcrumbs of why did she have to get Why, why? And it just keeps building and building because these two are now using each other as the way of confronting uh, Jim has anger issues Mm. and has had quite a, you know, uh, a huge falling out with his family. Um, he hasn't been able to control his emotions his entire life because of this thing that they keep dancing around and not yeah. acknowledging. Um, I mean, if you're, do you want to talk about that right now? We can. I think I think we can because I think, yeah. Well, let's let's say what happens. Yeah. So <laughs> obviously, when the shoe finally drops, it makes a pretty big sound. Um, like that. Yes. Uh, basically, <laughs> um, there was they had an abortion. They uh they were both teenagers. Amanda got pregnant, uh, and Jim told her to get rid of it because he didn't know how to handle it. But the whole thing is because of that one decision, it sort of has led to the ripple effect of the rest of their lives. The rest of their lives, and this living in nostalgia is almost a way of them not confronting how their life turned out. Not necessarily, not even for the better. I mean, just in a different direction. Yeah, and again, it's that what if scenario. Yeah, and I think this this film should be... It's the what-if film, basically. Um, <laughs> Not the Daniel Radcliffe what-if film. <laughs> it's huge, um, because the, especially Duplass's performance in this scene is is amazing, mm. um, when he is just falling apart. Like So eventually what well, happens is... the reveal is, of the letter. Yeah. Um, so what happens is, as you expect, because they're getting so close to each other, they start you know hooking up. Yeah. And... Of course, stop halfway through. When he drops the I love you. Yeah. And then that's when she starts to have second and they kind of push off each other. Yeah. And then, of course, at this point, your stomach's like (laughs) turned inside out 15 times. Um, (laughs) And it turns out she kept one of his letters. um, uh, Well, what it was was earlier she's gone through the closet and she finds like this little box of photos and Mm. memorabilia and stuff. And that's when she finds a, a sealed envelope addressed to her that she's never read before yeah so then she kind of hides it she pockets it before you know can be seen mm-hmm. and then accidentally drops it and reveals later yeah. on. that's how we find and out. we find out that that letter um which ends up serving a amazing last scene but prior to that one this scene where duplass is telling us basically well they had an abortion and he didn't know what he was doing and his entire life has sucked essentially yeah because of this event um it's just amazing. It just she goes from being angry to being sorry mm. to being like it, it, the stages of this argument is one <laughs> of those things that even as an audience you're kind of uncomfortable watching it mm. because because we've been so invested in their life up to this point that this confrontation feels like we've walked into the wrong room and we really shouldn't be here and 
Well, it's like you said, you know, that they built so much on the chemistry, the, mm. the amazing chemistry these two have that you you do wonder, you're like, well, what would have broken this up? And you don't, I mean, I certainly didn't expect anything as, as insane as that, as mm. an abortion. Um, because I've obviously I have references in my life. I can, re- this kind of relationship, I can connect to this or connect to that. Yeah. And, it, and it broke up over much lesser things. So it very much earned the like, oh crap, like this is what actually happened. Yeah. And you're right. It definitely, we've earned the ability to see these emotions finally mm-hmm. like rip out of their chest. I think things that I like about the film the most are pushing more towards the end of the film. So eventually Jim reads the letter to Amanda mm-hmm. and that leads to Amanda crying for the first time in five years yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And which is an amazing scene. Um, and I love, I love the, the whole cut to black sort of ominous ending. Yeah. Um, that you don't really know what the last words are essentially. Yeah. Um, very, very, very good. Uh, but the the thing I like is I love how it ends at the same grocery store it started. I do like that that neat bookmark. It's interesting. So I imagine in this scene, they he's driven her back because they left their car there overnight. Or yeah. She's left there. But isn't there a scene in between them leaving the the uh, marketplace and meeting for coffee? Isn't there a scene where he's like practicing in the mirror? He's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's in the bathroom mirror though. I think. Oh, okay. So he's in the bathroom of the cafe. Yeah, I'd that say makes so. more sense. Okay, never mind. I thought there was okay. a bit of a continuity. Error oh there. no, I think that was. Uh, you fixed it for me, and I really liked it because it was obviously like that situation. It was the definition of uh, how a night can just sort of take you on. We we got took on adventure, and we yeah. we. Unlike downsizing this adventure, yeah. this one makes a bit more sense. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed the film, though. Uh, do you have no, absolutely. any other thoughts you'd like to add? To um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, this whole thing goes back to them sort of willingly and dangerously living in the past. Um, and I guess I don't want to be a broken record on that, but like I feel that's just so important because there's so many moments in this film where, again, and she even uses the word game, like I shouldn't have let this game play out so mm-hmm. long. And... And then he even he responds with like, "Well, this isn't a game to me," and it really, really puts the two the perspectives of each of these characters in the play because they definitely have different perspectives. Mm. I think, especially when they literally, you said, start doing make believe. Yeah. So then there's the scene of them where she's kind of like, uh, you know, changed and they're pretending well, to be the, like the, this twenty the, year the, anniversary. Yeah. So it's sort of like uh, they're playing up. Um, like the fifties housewife. Story yeah, exactly. Where she's like, he's come home from work and he's like one of those nuclear family esque. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I love that. But you're right. And it's, it's this idea of why would they do? And then they even have that great little moment when they do like the little peck because yeah. they play pretending to be husband and wife, but she's actually married and they used to kiss, but now they kind of can't. So they have yeah. that little exchange of looks and eventually you do have a little peck, like just stuff like that. I think it really puts the the individual perspective of these two characters in the question. Yeah. I kind of like that. It's really ominous. But again, I think it just goes back to them wanting to live in the past. Exactly. Um, but if you're happy to jump into highlight scenes... um, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I always think that, that house playing scene is actually a really good scene mm-hmm. um, because you that's one of the first times, much like the, the dancing scene that um you feel this that impending dooms coming um and you're like oh i really like both these characters and i really don't want anything bad to happen to them (laughs) spoiler Um, you did a face but um yeah look i really like those scenes i like the scene where they're both sitting on the bed and they're playing the recordings of them okay because that's my highlight scene really and the reason is first off it's interesting because I don't think I've actually seen that scene a whole lot. Them yeah. listening to their past selves physically. And it reminds me, I've I've done that before. Not necessarily like with other people, but like I've have old Skype recordings from like years and years down mm-hmm. the track that I just have recorded for some reason. And I like to listen back and it's like, this is me when I was way younger. This is such and such when they were way younger. Well, it's it's the it's it comes I mean, it's the definition of quote unquote living well. Living in the past, it's go. like listening to two guys <laughs> or a relationship prior to anything bad happening, mm. and 
prior to the 20 years that occurred after this relationship died. And I think that's really interesting to think about because they both are sort of sitting there and that's not saying anything, but it's exactly what they're expressing. It's all in their faces as well. And you're right, it's the most tangible and they kind of grab of their old selves we can finally absolutely. look at. Absolutely, and they, and they try and play it off like, oh, look how stupid we were, ha, mm. ha, but you're like, mm. They're so, like, we miss this. Yeah, we we miss that lack of uh, weight that mm. the rest of our life has been, that they've always had to carry around with them. Yeah, exactly. And have never been the same. Uh, so I, I do think this film is... Uh, not exactly the most joyful watch, I don't think, but... Uh, I got a few laughs out of it. I think, yeah. I, I th- Actually, I, I love the moment when they're doing that play pretend, mm. and, like, they're kind of discussing this, like, pretend situation of she's going to be, like, this rap artist on tour. Yeah. And then he just turns around, and what does he say again? He's just like, all right, you listen to me, you son of a bitch, and then yeah. she just spits food out, like... I literally had to rewind. I was like, yeah. that's a cute moment. I love that. It was pretty good. <laughs> Sounds like something I would say. And like food went into his beard. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. It was like egg went into his beard. You ever had egg in your beard, Zeke? No, I have not. I don't think so. I if, might have. If I had egg in my beard, I would be dead. <laughs> okay, sorry. that was bad. That was embarrassing. Well, I, I think that's that's pretty much all I have to say. About. So these films are much watch. Uh, Available on Netflix. Yeah. Is it? Is there a? It, I'm pretty sure this is a Netflix film because it literally says Netflix presents at the start of the film. There we go. But um, I hit, think hitting let, it out of the ballpark. This was their Roma before Roma. <laughs> Basically, eh? Hey. Well, yeah. this is also a directorial debut film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which. Guess what's next week? Is that director's corner next week? Wow! Yeah, we great. missed out on this one. Alex Leman is a lead man. L e h m a n n. That's a cool name. That is a cool name. All right, honestly, Blue Jay's out on Netflix, and you guys can check it out in a wide release. I will probably be getting the DVD of this. Very hopefully. nice. Yeah, it, it there was a deal with Netflix on this. I think it premiered at the um, Toronto International Film Festival about a month before it came out on. Uh, Digital release. So there you cool. go. Cool. There we go. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jake. Uh, I'm glad you recommended it. Yeah, I think it's time to move into uh, what's new in the cinemas this week. What's uh, new in cinemas, sir? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Um, Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tan, which... This film, I want to see. Okay. I do want to see this. Um, Is it an Australian film? Yes. So it's about, uh, as it says, The Battle of Long Tan. Um, no way. It's got Travis Fimmel who plays Ragnar from Vikings. Okay. Uh, who's an Australian actor. Um, and it's really weird hearing his Australian voice after five or four seasons of Vikings. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been getting a bit of buzz. Um, I think it's just doing the, the festival runs. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure I played a backlot the other day, so I've oh, heard. There we go. Uh, I missed that screening, but I'll go see it with you if you want. There we go. Okay, I've got a it's a date. date. <laughs> oh. Um and what else is that? Uh Late Night, which is Emma Thompson in it. I I don't really uh, I mean, it looks like a quirky comedy. You have the two characters kind mm. of well little little you know, poses if you oh, like us earlier. Yeah, yeah, we did our little own pose for our, our TV. We're dressed very differently, so Yeah, yeah. Well it was because it's like two people were passing <laughs> us and I feel like Jake looked That's at me. That's totally and like, why I thought of it. And he was like, <laughs> We look so different right now. I was like, these two guys are going to look at us and be like, cool, walk off. (laughs) Now, I've got Midsummer on here as well, but I don't know what the deal is, because I swear to God, that film's like... It's being newly released every week. I know, that's what it feels like, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's fair enough. Did Hobbs and Shaw come out last week? Yes, it did. It's already out. Well, Jack's seen it. Mm. And apparently, Christopher Nolan's next film is meant to have like a little preview Ahead of that film. That's weird. Or like oh, a teaser I, trailer. Weird mix. I actually do want to see it because it's just a bit of dumb fun. Oh, know? Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. Fair, like, fair enough. I mean, I guess, it's apparently one of the John Wick, John Wick directors, according to Jack. Don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, it came, if the source came from Jack, we need to be really careful yeah, here, guys. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean... He can direct action. I don't think it'll yeah. be Stileski. It'll be That's probably fair. the other one. So is this is this basically a spin-off to Fast and Furious 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8? Yeah, yeah. I think. Or 
Or is it Fast 9? Does this count as Fast 9? It's probably a spin-off. I remember hearing about the spin-off. Wasn't there, like... There was a feud with the cast. I remember one of the other cast members got really shitty at Dwayne Johnson. Being like, oh, you came in here in, like, our fifth film, and now you're getting the spin-offs. Like, this was a very public thing that happened, That's I so remember. weird, because it's like... Jason Statham came in in like the seventh film <laughs> and he's getting his own spin-off. So yeah. it's like... It was like one of the side characters. Like, I I can't remember. Look it up, guys. Look it up. There was a very public feud about this when when this spin-off got announced. I mean, I've seen... I haven't seen eight. I saw five, six, seven. I think I've seen um, one through five. I might have saw six. Have you seen the one with Paul Walker? Like the last Paul Walker? No, one? I haven't. Because I think, I think that's the only reason I watched six is because I thought I was going to watch seven in the theater and I never got around to it. It's good. Okay. It's, a, it's um, uh, I think the biggest achievement of that film was its uh, visual effects. Oh, like his work the face work and stuff. Yeah. Of his, wasn't it his but, brother? Yeah, it was two of his Did brothers. Some, oh, okay. Um, Oof, two for the press of one. Oof. Um, for the, no worries. For the well, um, this, uh, oh, much like this week was a directorial debut, we will be going into our director's corner next week. Mm. And with Once Upon a Time in the Hollywood on its way, not quite here yet, Almost but on its way. Here. There's so many ads, but I'm like, screw you guys. Like, <laughs> it's it's pretty frustrating. But uh, yeah, that with that coming out, we thought Tarantino's uh, obvious choice. Prime pick, you're correct. Uh, now... We did a uh, we did a poll. So for the first time ever, you guys got to vote on which Tarantino we, film we would do out of Reservoir Dogs or Pulp mm. Fiction. And I really did. Uh, we loved all. Of, we got about uh, I think it was uh, fifty or sixty votes between both of our it respected was insane, social. Eh? Yeah, um, I was surprised by that. Yeah, uh, which is great. We love audience audience engagement, um, mm. and I definitely think I would love to do more polls in the future. Especially because uh, this was so close. Yeah. Real close, um, guys. So I wanted Reservoir Dogs. and Jake I wanted Pulp Fiction. Wanted Pulp Fiction. And I think it was 60... I have it on my phone. 64 votes. And which... Bloody hell. 64 votes. In which 33 were for Pulp Fiction. And 31 were for Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> oh, so geez. Close call, guys. 51.5% to 48 <laughs> It's like me doing the percentage for the end game box office revenue. Yeah. It's 99.97% of the way there. Yeah, it's a, so, <laughs> at least you got to buy your jug the other day. Um, yeah, that's what got on my Instagram. I bought Jackie's jug. It's all done now. But yeah, so we will be watching Pulp Fiction. Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield are hitmen with a penchant for philosophical discussions. In this ultra-hip, multi-strand crime movie, their storyline is interwoven with those of their boss, gangster Marcellus Wallace, his actress wife, Mia Wallace, struggling boxer, Butch, master fixer, Winston Wolfe, and a nervous pair of armed robbers, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Boom, nailed it. Sir, I give you a little round of applause. Thank you, I give thank you a golfer you. clap. I did jump on one half name, but no, that's okay. No, I think that's, that was pretty good. Um, as you can tell, the <laughs> there's a lot going on with Pulp Fiction. <laughs> there's a lot going on in this movie. Um, yeah, we'll be ca- covering it next week with our Director's Corner in time for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which will probably be episode 31. Looking to be it. Um... Yeah, no, thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show. I was mm. Zeke. I was Jay. And we'll catch you next week with Pulp Fiction. <laughs> 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 <laughs>